Well, I'm going to read from Mark 15, verse 16 to 41. <clears throat> the account of the Lord's crucifixion in Mark's Gospel. The soldiers led him away into the palace, that is, the governor's residence, and called the whole company together. They dressed him in a purple robe, twisted together a crown of thorns, and put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! They were hitting him on the head with a stick and spitting on him. Getting down on their knees, they were paying him homage. After they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple robe and put his clothes on him. They led him out to crucify him. They forced a man coming in from the country who was passing by to carry Jesus' cross. He was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. They tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Then they crucified him and divided his clothes, casting lots for them to decide what each would get. Now it was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge written against him was, The King of the Jews. They crucified two criminals with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who, were pa- those who passed by were yelling insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, Ha! The one who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days? Save yourself by coming down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests with the scribes were mocking him, mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others, but he cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross so that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him taunted him. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, See, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, fixed it on a stick, offered him a drink and said, let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. Jesus let out a loud cry and breathed his last. Then the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion, who was standing opposite him, saw the way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the Son of God. There were also women watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph, and Salome. In Galilee, these women followed him and took care of him. Many other women had come up with him to Jerusalem. Amen. We thank God for his words. There are many things in this passage, but I want us to focus for a few minutes, and it will be a short sermon. I want us to focus for a few minutes on just one theme, and that is the loneliness and desolation of the Lord Jesus on the cross. Now, to help us see and notice that more clearly, we can actually contrast Mark's account with Luke and John's. The different gospel authors focus on different things in their gospel accounts, 
and including in their, their accounts of Jesus' death. Matthew is very similar to Mark, actually, follows it very closely. But Luke and John include some things that Mark leaves out. And those can act as clues that help us to notice and also to feel what, what Mark really wants us to see. Mark, in contrast to, to Luke and John, has left out any friendly or believing faces or words in his account. So, for example, in in Luke chapter 23, verse 27, it says, A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. And then in Luke's account, Jesus actually speaks to them and he, he interacts with them. But in Mark, that interaction is not mentioned at all. Mark does, in fact, mention those women at the end, as we just read, and he mentions their faithfulness to Jesus, but only in verse 40, after Jesus' death, and it, it simply says that they were, they were watching from a distance. Then again, in John's Gospel, we, we find that at one point, Mary was, was close, Jesus' mother, that is, was close to the cross, along with John, and close enough that they actually speak with Jesus. Perhaps he was in those hours of darkness when he was easier for them to, to approach and get, get close enough. That encounter is also completely missed out in, in Mark. In, in Luke, we read that, that one of the two men who are crucified with Jesus uh, actually um, turns and, and rebukes the other for attacking Jesus and, and then turns to Jesus and demonstrates real faith in him. But again, that, that's not mentioned in Mark's account. So what do we have instead in, in Mark's account? Well, we've got, first of all, mocking and hateful words. That is a theme uh, right the way through. Verse 17, the soldiers mock him by dressing him like a king and, and, and saying, Hail, King of the Jews, offering a fake homage to him. Verse 26, uh, the, the written, it says, The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews, also designed to mock Jesus, probably also mock the other Jews as well. You know, what kind of a king is this? Verse uh, 29, uh, those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. Then again, verse 32, those crucified with him also heaped insults on him, as I just mentioned then there's verse 36, after a misunderstanding Jesus is calling on Elijah, they, they say, now leave him alone, let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. I don't think there's any real thought that they, they expected Elijah to turn up. This is just another opportunity to, to mock Jesus, to laugh at him. I'm sure you know some of the sting of being mocked or laughed at. It's always so painful just to, be, to be laughed at. I think for Jesus here, there is another, even stronger edge to it, which is that all of these words are unbelieving words. This is the big, another big theme which is coming out that I want to focus on. It. Now, Jesus' entire message was that people, by believing in him, might have life. And here, as he dies, there doesn't appear to be anyone who believes now, we mentioned in, in the other, from the other Gospels, there is some evidence of, of the faith of a few people. 
but none of them are mentioned here. The only believing words that we read in this passage are from the mouth of the centurion. Uh, and he says, surely this man was the son of God. But when do they happen? After Jesus had already breathed his last and died, Jesus doesn't hear them. Overwhelmingly, Jesus was surrounded by unbelief. So the mocking is not only a personal sting, the sting of insults heaped on him in his last moments is also a temptation to despair. A temptation for Jesus to believe that he has achieved nothing at all. In Isaiah chapter uh, 49, there are these words, which I, I think we're meant to understand as pointing us to Christ. It says this, But I said, I have laboured in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord, and my recompense is with my God. That is, although Jesus was not ultimately in despair, I don't believe, but he was violently assaulted by, by that, this thought. It's all been for nothing. It's all been a waste. No one believes. I wonder if you felt like that in your life when you, you've been... Uh, in some work, maybe even in, in serving God, you felt, uh, I've wasted my time, uh, I've wasted my life, I've poured so much energy uh, into this, I and mean, I've just got nothing back. The Lord Jesus knows that thought very well. He knew it especially on, on the cross. Now, what do you need when you feel like that? Well, you need a friend, don't you? A believing friend who will tell you that it's not been for nothing, that God's promises are real and that he won't let you down. But what does Jesus have instead at the cross? Silence. He has no kindness or companionship. Where are his disciples when he needed them most? They've all abandoned him. Some have even denied that they know him at all. They've left him to die alone. There was no one who could share his burden, no one who helped to lighten his load, no one to encourage him. So Jesus died in terrible loneliness, and his last moments he's surrounded by mocking, unbelieving faces as he looks out from that cross. Now, Steve already read uh, um, Psalm 22, which I hadn't asked him to do, but he obviously uh, read my mind because that psalm picks up so many of the themes of, what, of Mark's accounts. Um, and, and as Jesus quotes, quotes them, we're seeing something of his terrible pain as, as he expresses the agony of being abandoned not only by men, but by God himself. Let me remind you of some of those words from the beginning part again. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from... So far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One, the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved, and in you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. 
He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out from the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. The Lord Jesus was suffering the deepest depths of loneliness that any human has ever experienced. I want us to think for a second then and ask this question, why? Why was Jesus alone and why is there this focus in, in Mark's Gospel? Now, Jesus was alone because his disciples had abandoned him. And in particular because Peter had abandoned him. In Mark's Gospel, there, there is a particular emphasis on, on Peter's point of view. And we know from uh, historical sources that, uh, that Mark got his account of, of Jesus' life directly from Peter, because uh, Mark went around with Peter as his interpreter. Uh, and that does actually come out in Mark's Gospel in several ways. As Peter passed on his version of the crucifixion, his account of it. He knew the reason why Jesus died alone, friendless and comfortless. It was because he, Peter, had left him in his hour of need. As Mark writes in, in chapter 14, verse 50, when Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, sorry, that, it writes that he writes this, then everyone deserted him and fled. Everyone deserted him and fled. Peter failed Jesus so badly. He failed to, watch, to keep watch and pray with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when the Lord specifically asked for that. He failed to stick by his side when Jesus was arrested. He did manage to, to, to follow at a distance into the courtyard, but there, what did he do? He failed Jesus in exactly the way that the Lord had predicted. He denied that he even knew Jesus. And he failed to be there at the cross to encourage Jesus. When Jesus needed a rock to be there saying, you are the Christ, Peter wasn't there. Peter understood that he had added to Christ's sufferings. Jesus' pain and abandonment was caused by him. But what about us? Well, we, are, we have not done uh, what Peter and the other disciples did personally. But the connection between our sin and Jesus' sufferings is just as real and just as personal. All of us who are believers in Christ ca can say, he suffered because of my sin. I caused his pain. He, he, he was bearing the sin of all his people. Every bitter word of the hymn posit, every bitter word, every evil deed of ours. Every time, maybe from before you were a Christian, when you attacked him or ignored him. Or maybe since you've been, you trusted. Every time you, you failed him. Every time when we should have known better and we sinned against him. Those sins, specifically, were loaded on his shoulders. Uh, and he bore that sin alone at Calvary. His pain was caused by our sin. And once we realise that, we can benefit from two amazing things. First, we can see Jesus' love 
for us because when he went to that cross, he did so willingly, knowing what he would suffer, knowing that he was going there for us, out of love for us specifically, willing to pay the price for our sins. And secondly, we can also benefit from, from Mark chapter 16, verse 70, verse 7. When Jesus had risen from the dead, the, the women um, find a young, man dre- a young man dressed in white at the tomb. And he says this in Mark 16, verse 6. Uh, Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Out of all the gospel writers, only Mark includes those words, and Peter. We're seeing Peter's perspective here. Peter has let Jesus down in the worst way, and he must have thought, there's there's just no way that the Lord Jesus will, will ever have me back. I can't be included as a disciple anymore. Yet Jesus completely forgave him and immediately reinstated him as a disciple. Yes, Peter, you, even you, go and tell my disciples and Peter, the one who abandoned me in my hour of need. I have two things to say as a final application to us. First, when we see ourselves in this story as Peter, then we can claim those words in Mark 16, verse 7, for ourselves. When we see that sin is personal, that we caused his pain, then, then we can say the and Peter is and me as well. That's for me. I wonder if you failed the Lord Jesus in some awful way. Maybe there's some sin that haunts you. Maybe it, it was not, maybe a sin from before you were a believer, but maybe you think even worse, a sin from after you, you were a believer and you, you ought to have known better. That sin did indeed cause Christ's pain and suffering on the cross. And at the cross, it was utterly forgiven and wiped out forever. When you recognise it, then you can claim that promise. I, I am not cast off. Those words, and Peter, are for you. And, and the worse you feel you have let him down, the more you can and you must claim those words, and Peter, and me. I am not cast off. I am, I, am not, I am not outside of God's people. The Lord Jesus still counts me as one of his. And the second thing we can say is this. You can have complete confidence as a believer that you will never be deserted by God. Christ endured ultimate isolation and loneliness and desertion so that we can be brought near to God. That's why he did it. All of our sins, given anything which, which hinders us from drawing near to God, Jesus dealt with it. He died in loneliness so that we can be brought near to God. And we will never, ever be driven away. No matter what you've done, no matter how you've let him down, we will never be left alone. He died. He took that from us so that we can be with God forever. Amen.